Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Praise God. You glad to be here this morning? That was pretty anemic, I'm just going to be honest, from where I'm standing. Glad to be here this morning? Okay, there we go. I like that. I introduced that at camp meeting this week. I said, you know, when a, there, was a, there was a famous wrestler. Whenever he got into the ring, and I'm not a big wrestler guy. I used to watch it when I was a kid, and I'd practice all those moves on... Uh, on, uh, you know, smaller kids in the neighborhood. Hey, watch this. I'm going to suplex them. We had prayer lines after all of our wrestling matches. But needless to say, there's one guy, he would always come in the wrestling match. He'd get in the middle of the ring. As soon as he'd walk in there and his hair's all flowing around and he's stomping around, he'd say, Woo! I just scared the Holy Ghost into some of you right then. I did that. He'd walk in and say, whoa, I feel good. Feel like throwing somebody over the ropes this morning. I think the Lord might need to pick some of us up this morning. Amen. I don't know if my mic's dying or something. I keep going in and out. But I believe we need to just get excited about being the house of God. Instead of dragging in like we've been walking through the desert on a horse with no name. Come on, somebody. We need to come into the house of God excited. Aubrey says, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. We lift our hands. Let's lift our hands. We time to shout. Then lift your voice. You shout at the cowboys when they're losing. That's all they do. You can say, "Woo! praise God. We're going to win. I knew I'd get an amen from Daniel back there. Praise God. I'm glad to be here. I don't care whether you are or not. That's the truth. I'm glad to be in the house of God. I got closed in my little closet right there with my eyes closed. And I was worshiping God. And he was just blessing me and speaking to me. And let me tell you, in my heart, here's what I heard. It's like the prophet Elijah when, his, when he's told his, his uh, servant to go out there and listen. He says, I hear a rustling in the tops of the mulberry trees. There is something stirring. And I'm telling you right now, friends, there is something stirring in the church And if you haven't heard it yet, you just need to start listening a little closer. Praise God. Hey, man, I've got it in me this morning. You know why a rooster crows? Because he's got it in him, and I've got it in me this morning. Amen. Praise God. Well, I better stop before I preach another message. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles to Psalm 42. Praise the Lord. Just stay there for a minute, Daniel. If you've got your Bible, I want you to hold your Bible up. That's good. I like to see them. I like to see good old-fashioned black and white print. Because Bible apps can get lost and you can get distracted. Because right there when you're on your phone trying to talk on your phone, sometimes it happens to me every time I'm outside and I don't have my Bible with me, I'll get my phone, I'm looking at my Bible, and I'll get a text about that time. The devil ain't doing nothing but trying to distract me from this right here. Here's what I want you to say together. Hold your Bible up, hold your Bible up, hold your phone up or your iPad up or whatever you got. That's all right. If it's got the Word in there, it's good. I want you to say this with me. This Bible is my all-sufficient guide to faith and daily living. Say it again. This Bible is my all-sufficient guide to faith and daily living. Let me tell you something. Every word in this book is inspiring to your spirit, man, to your soul. We're going to talk about the soul today. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the cure for a hurting soul. If you walked into this building this morning and your soul is hurting, you're you're heavy on the inside. You walked in here with weights upon your mind and you feel like that you've been imprisoned, 
by circumstances and situations that are taking place in your life, I want you to know, friends, there is a cure for a hurting soul, for a heavy, despondent heart. There is a cure for the heavy travails and circumstances of life. And this book right here will show you what that cure is. Praise the Lord. This book, along with some good old anointed preaching, will encourage you to move forward. It will challenge you to prayer. It will urge you to worship. It will confront your sin. It will help you in the battle when your flesh gets weak. The Word of God will open your eyes to the greatness of who He is and the power that He has to encourage you. And let me tell you something. It will soften the blow of your soul as it weighs down and pounds upon your mind because the Word of God will mold you and shape you into the plan that God has for your life. If you think you're operating on plan B this morning, let me tell you, God has never got off of plan A for your life. You keep seeking Him. He he is the one who is directing your life this book this word will guide you toward that faith to trust the lord in all things so why don't we do this together let's read psalm 42 it's a familiar psalm to many of you thanks daniel it says this reading from the new international version 84 by the way let me just tell you the tniv if you have that Chunk it. It's junk. It ain't no good. You know, I'm not going to get in the argument which version is good, but I'm just telling you that one's not very good because they've gone gender neutral on their on their words and it's just silliness. Okay? So the NIV, the older version, you can look at the front, you can see the in the pages, and it'll say if the last published date it says eighty four, you got a good one there. But if it says like twenty twenty you need to go find you an ESV or a New King James or whatever's good to eat uh, for your spirit man. If you, you might even like the old King James. Make you feel a little bit smarter. Thus and thou's, okay? But you can use whatever version. I just want to say that. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. You can't read that by just reading it. You have to express that. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. When can I go and meet with God? When? Tell me what time I'll be there. When? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, the mountain Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs His love. At night, His song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior, And my God, can we just give the Lord praise just for a moment from his word? Amen. My throat's a little bit gone. My voice is a little weak after preaching camp meeting all week. I've I've spent I was telling somebody a little bit earlier. We have spent, if you were consecutively, 24 straight hours churching. 
Some of you don't know what that term is. Church, that means we're in church and we're having church. The word's being preached. We're singing. We're worshiping God. People are shouting in the altars. We're, we're praising, praying with one another. It was a wonderful, wonderful week. So I'm a little bit, uh, my throat's a little bit uh, raw this morning. Not, not, doesn't hurt. I just don't have a real strong voice. But I can see in this scripture that there is a psalmist who felt a little bit under the weather as well. It wasn't on the outside, it was on the inside. He said, why is my soul so downcast? Look at verse 5 and verse 11. Those two verses are the verses that I want you to really pay attention to this morning. Why is my soul so downcast? I understand that there's, this room is filled with a lot of different people. You came from a lot of different places. You've had a lot of different types of weeks. Some of you've had good weeks. Some of you've had bad weeks. Some of you've had a good month. Some of you've had a bad month. Some of you have had a bad year. You've had a bad several years. And it's easy for us to identify with this psalmist, with David, as he says, why is my soul so downcast? Why is my heart so heavy? You look at the circumstances of your life. You can identify with David, who's discouraged, his heart's downcast. He's surrounded by this pressing sense of of pressure and hopelessness, and it's choking the life out of him. The word downcast is the Hebrew word shachak, which means to bow down or to bend over. You know, we can end up in our life sometimes walking around like this, can't we? And it's not because we're a little bit older. In your spirit, you can walk around just like this, downcast. Your vision is down. Your hopes and dreams are right in front of you. You can't see the horizon. You're just bent over. All you do is you're just walking around. You come to church and you can tell you're bent over in spirit because you can't even lift your hands. This is as far as you can get. You can't lift your voice. You can't lift anything. You're downcast. Your soul is is discouraged. It's heavy. Things have torn down. Things have been broken down in your life. We get downcast. Not physical pain, but it's soul pain. It's soul pain. Inside of us, we, we become weak by the pressures around us. Being gone most of the week, came home. And I told Sawyer and Sydney, you are in charge of all of the plants. It's 105. Make sure you put some water on them. I'm going to brag on them both. They did a good job. They actually watered Shannon's plants. They They did a great job. But there was a couple... Dear God, stop this heat. They were downcast. They were were wilting under the pressure of the heat. Anybody ever wilted under the pressures of life? Ever just kind of felt like, man, I just can't. It's harder for me. It may be easier for that person to worship God. I'm just wilted. Things It's just so heavy. The sun is so hot over my head. It's just burning me down. It's just putting heaviness upon my life. I don't know how long I can stand it. Shock. I'm bowed down. I'm downcast. Psalm 42, David says there's relief that can be found. Because, let me tell you, that downcast soul can show up in a lot of different ways in your life. It can come from a fractured family relationship that's just been seething for years. It can come from wayward children who just seem to mock God and everything that you stand for. That can cause a incredible wilting of your own spirit because you're concerned for your children it can come from a nasty divorce that you had in your past and the battle that got the kids caught up in it it can come from having to contend with just difficult people anybody know any difficult people in the world 
Don't look down the road. Don't be looking down the road. Don't nudge your wife. Don't be doing that. Soul pain can show up when you lose a job that you really felt fulfilled by or, or it met the needs of your family. It can come from just a nagging physical ailment. Your physical life can begin to weigh down and seethe into your spiritual man. When you fight sickness over and over, constantly dealing with, with problems and ailments, it can weigh you down. It can seemingly put you on the sidelines. It can make you feel like that you're not useful anymore. Let me tell you, that causes your soul to be downcast. Because your physical body doesn't, doesn't perform the way you want it to perform. And it can cause your spirit man to be weighed down. Oh, what good am I? What use am I? Financial pressures that never seem to go away, can always bring a wilting to your spirit if you allow it. Wrong choices, wrong paths can lead you to have a heaviness of heart. And all of these things... If you allow them, they can shut down your faith. They can stunt your growth spiritually. They can, they can put a cap on the hope that you have in God and they can cause you to live a life that's bent over. Shakak. Why is my soul downcast, bent over? And so what you need to do is you need to go to the doctor this morning and here's the doctor's prescription. When you go to the doctor and you walk in and he tells you, he says, look, I want you to come on in. I want you to set up on the table there. And I need to ask you a few questions. And what are they going to ask you? Well, the first thing they're going to say is they say, where, where does it hurt? Where's your pain coming from? How long have you had this? What specifically causes and produces this pain? When, when you're, what activity does this cause? Can you show me? Is there any history of this of this pain in your family. Where, where, does this, where is this coming? He's trying to determine where does this come from. And usually after he has asked and probed with all of those questions. He'll say well we need to go get some more uh, imaging. And we need to get some MRIs and some CAT scans. And we got to get some x-rays. We've got to find out exactly what is causing this pain. And that's exactly what this psalm does. It probes into our life because David, as he's, as he's writing this psalm, this poetic hymn to God, he is, God is probing him. He is asking questions. He is digging underneath the surface of why it is that he's bent over. David is asking himself, why am I bent over? Why is my spirit so heavy? Why, why is it that I can't, that I can't seem to be lifted up in these these questions provide a diagnosis. Let me just take you through this psalm and show you that there are some things that can cause a downcast soul. Look at verse 1. He says this, he says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then he asked the question, when can I go see him? He's saying, he's saying, I am not, I have not seen the presence of God in so long. When can I just go get into the presence of God? Let me tell you, one of the first things, I think the primary thing that will cause a downcast spirit in your life is the absence of the presence of God. It's the absence. David describes this story. And what had happened was David and Absalom, it was during this time period, Absalom, his son, basically had, had instituted a coup. And David was ejected from Jerusalem. He was running for his life. And Absalom had taken over in Jerusalem. 
Well, Jerusalem was the place where the temple was. It was where the people of God would gather and they would worship and they would celebrate and they would praise God and they would sing songs. They would lift their hands. And and David was saying, my soul so longs to just worship God. When can I get in his presence? He had been separated from the house of God. He'd been separated. He'd been forced to flee. And his regular routine of worship had been disturbed. He feels literally cut off from the Lord. That's what the scriptures he's saying. When can I find this? I believe the leading cause of a downcast spirit or a downcast heart is when, my friend, you and I find that there is a lack and an absence of the presence of God in our life. We are not in those streams feeling the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. Like I said, we preached camp meeting this week. Telling you what, I saw God move in some powerful ways. Powerful ways. On Wednesday night, we had an anointing line that stretched from one side of the auditorium to another. People who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they, they lined up they on each side. It was like walking the gauntlet. Man, let me tell you something. If, if the devil was around, he got ejected at that moment. People who, people who wanted to receive the baptism, they lined up along the side and they made their way through. And it didn't take but about a third of the way. The people that were at the end, they were like, hey, let them move a little bit further because we're missing out on some of this. They would get about a third of the way through and the power of God would hit them. The presence of God would fall down upon them. They'd be gloriously baptized. Some of them need deliverance. As a young girl, had a demonic spirit inside of her. God struck her down, spoke that spirit. That spirit fled out of her life. She was immediately made whole. Tell you something. When the presence of God is in the room, anything can happen. You can't leave that place bent over and downcast if you are, if you are injected into the presence of God. Bible says in your presence there is freedom. Aubrey sang about it this morning. There is liberty. Second Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Now ask yourself, why am I not free? Why am I not free? Why am I not free to run? Why am I not free to dance? Why am I not free to worship? Why do I feel like somebody's looking at me? Why am I afraid? Who are you afraid of? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Start spending more time in the Spirit of the Lord, in the presence of God. Let me tell you something, friends. Where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're looking for freedom in your life. You need to just fall head first into the presence of God. One young man, I saw him. He was seeking the baptism this week. Boy, he was, he was, he was almost there. He's just seeking more of God, seeking more of the Lord. And I saw him as he moved from the shallow end of the pool to the deep end of the pool. Didn't quite go under. So I told him, I said, listen, next time you begin to seek after God, don't start down the steps of the shallow end of the pool. Just go all the way around to the dive, the high dive and get up on that thing and jump in head first. And I promise you, when you do, the spirit of God is going to overwhelm you because you can't help from going under when you jump off the hot, the, the high dive. If you're younger than me. You don't even know what a high dive is. We used to have the high dive at the, at the public pool. Anybody remember the high dive? If we had high dives nowadays, they'd be passing out helmets before you walked up the ladder. Somehow we survived. I just want you know, That's what I always want to say to the world around me. Somehow we survived. It's amazing. It's a miracle. Psalm 97 verse 5 says the hills or the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. 
<laughs> I love that. The mountains melt like wax. How many mountains you got staring you down? How many mountains in your life that you can't seem to get over? How many mountains stand before you and say, you shall not pass? Let me tell you, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. You need to get into the presence of God and let the mountains just begin to melt away in front of you and give you just a clear path to march yourself right where God wants you. Somebody say amen. You're going to have to help me because my voice is failing. I love Psalm 1611. In your presence. In your presence. In your presence. Everybody just say that with me. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. There is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. How many of you would like to have a little bit more joy in your life? Come on, somebody say amen. How many of you like to have a little bit more of the pleasures of God in your life operating? Oh, praise God. In your presence, friends, listen to me. We got to get back into the presence of God. We got to say, Lord, it's not just going to church or hearing a message or listening to something online. I need to get into the presence of God. I need to seek Him and he's done with me David was wilting without the presence I think some of the protesters got it wrong it's not no justice no peace it's no presence no peace the presence of God will return back to our country we'll have peace again come on somebody we need to seek the presence of God not justice from some black-robed individual sitting up on a courtroom. We need the presence of God to come and invade our schools and our institutions and our government and our office buildings and our companies and our corporate areas. We need the presence of God in all these places, especially in our families. Look at verse 3. Something else that will cause you to be downcast at soul is... He says, my tears have been my food day and night while men say to me, look at this, all day long they say, where is your God? Look at verse 10. He asks the question again, where is your God? They taunt me, he says. They taunt me, where is your God? You know, the devil likes to get under your skin and my skin, doesn't he? The enemies of God like to get under your skin. They like to taunt you and say, oh, okay, where is your God? I thought you said your God could heal. I thought you said your God had keeping power. I thought you said your God could do a miracle when you needed it. I thought you said God loved you. I thought you said God cared about you. Why would all this happen? Where is your God? At some point, you've got to stand up, friends, and you've got to say, devil, you're a liar. I said, you've got to stand up for yourself and say, devil, you are a liar. Because all that is doing is trying to tear your faith apart. Tear your faith down. What will happen is you'll start to doubt and you'll say, you know what? Where was God? That happened. Where, where was God when my loved one died? God, we prayed. We, and you begin to doubt instead of stand in faith. It got so bad that David said, my tears became my food. Man, that's pretty bleak. When you can't even eat anymore. You know what? I've never found a problem so big that Jesus and Brahms couldn't fix for me. I'm just telling you that right now. It got bleak. But the enemy will mock you. Let me tell you something. If you allow the enemy's words to land on fertile soil in your heart, you will, it will cause doubt in you and you will have a downcast spirit and you will be walking around with a question in the back of your mind. Where was God and all that? What, what, 
Why did God? And you'll come into the house of the Lord and everybody will be trying to worship you and say, I just, I don't know what it is. I just, just because back in the back of your mind, where was God? It'll cause a downcast spirit. Look at verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Man, David starts reminiscing about all the old times. <laughs> reminiscing about all the old days. Oh, we, we used to have some great, mighty moves of God. I remember, I remember when, when we were on a, in a Wednesday night service, it was just a regular Bible study, and this man stood up, and he came down the front, and he said he wasn't feeling well, and when he got to the center, and he was in between the, the aisles, he fell and collapsed and died right there in the middle of church. I got witnesses, because there's some of you... Brendan's mom's here. She's from Bethel. She knows she was there. I saw this happen, and I'm sitting on the piano. I'm like, my God, we've just killed a man. Done preached too long. He came down, he died right there. But it didn't take 15 seconds. Not for fir- the first responders, they had never been notified. The first responders moved out from their pews because they were in the church. And they responded. And they came down there and they said, No, this is not going to happen, devil. You're a liar. We're going to pray and God's going to raise him up. Amen. And guess what? He did. He got up. Yeah. Well, how do you know he was dead, Pastor? Well, there's always a doubting Thomas in the room, isn't there? Because we had a doctor on the scene and we had three nurses standing right there. And I remember one of them saying, we have no pulse, there's no breath, there's no nothing. The doctor's sitting there trying to, he's getting ready, he's starting CPR and his wife says, nope, don't do that. We're going to pray for him first. And God raised him up. God raised him up from where he was. Praise God. There's been some of those moments, some of you have seen God do some incredible things in your life. Man, I've seen some, some times where we spent hours in the altar. This week we were leaving the church house about 10 or 10.30 at night. And people had to get up and go to work at 6 the next morning. That's right. What's that last song we sang? All I want to do is love. All I want to do is worship you. Everything else, it doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. It's passing. It's this world. It's all passing away. But the things of God shall never pass away. Seeking the Lord, praising, seeking after God. God did some amazing things. One lady on a Tuesday night after I had preached and ministered, she comes up front. I mean, she was running. Church was over. And she runs down the aisle. She says, don't leave. She said, you've got to lead me to Jesus. Telling you what, when you're wanting, when you're running through the church and begging somebody to lead them to Jesus, I, I believe it's going to stick. I've seen God do so. If, if we were to let several people, and I could just point them out, some of you, I know you've been in the faith a long time. You were to stand up and you were to say, you know what, this is what I saw one time in church. I saw God do something. I couldn't even believe it. It was the most amazing thing, what God did. People were hungry. Man, we had revival. Nobody cared how hot it was in the room. My grandparents can tell stories of a little old rock church where they had they had camp meeting out in West Texas. They didn't even have AC. and They didn't even have windows. They had wooden shutters. They'd open them things and let the air blow through. That's the only thing they had. And they got in there and they sweated down to their socks. But they loved it because they worshiped God and they saw his presence move in a mighty way. And David says, oh, I remember when I would go and I would lead the procession. I'd lead worship. Man, we would just shout. We'd jump. We'd praise God. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. I have fond memories of moves of God. And I remember... 
Malachi 3, 6 says, For I, the Lord, shall not change. And I remember Hebrews 13, 8 that says, The Lord is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. But let me tell you something. Pleasant memories of your past can become a discouragement to you in your present. Did you hear me? All of the pleasant memories that I have of what God has done can cause discouragement for me today. When I walked in here this morning to worship God, my mind couldn't be thinking about Tuesday night and the move that we had then. I couldn't be thinking about Sunday night, what God did that evening. I couldn't be thinking about several years ago and revivals and other camp meetings and things that we had where the focus of people just came because they were hungry for more of God. I had to be in the present in this very moment, in this group of people, singing these songs, worshiping the God that is the same as He was yesterday and Tuesday and Sunday. He is the same God in this room right now. God has not lost His power. God's desires have not changed for this generation as they were three generations ago. The same God that my grandparents worshiped on sawdust floors and in rock buildings with no windows is the same God that is in this room in an air-conditioned building with lights around us. It's the same God and He wants to do the same things. But when you begin to reflect and live in your past, it can be a damage. It can bend you over because the only thing you'll see when you look around is, oh boy, we had it good back then. Sure wish God could do what He did back then. And all that you'll see is, you'll see what God's not doing. Well, let me tell you something. We romanticize about the past, but let me tell you, every step of life has its own battles. Every phase of life. We have a tendency to only remember the victories, but let me tell you something. We can't forget our losses. There has always been a fight for church, for holiness in the church. Whether it's today, with kids the way they are and the culture the way it is, or whether it was in 1960 or 1930 or 1850, there's always been a fight for holiness in the church. There's always been a fight for freedom in the church. Liberty to worship, that's always been a fight. It didn't just, hey, back in this era, this is people were like, no, 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 no. There's always been a fight. There's always been a battle for biblical doctrines in the church. There's always been a, a, a tares mixed in with the wheat and wolves among the sheep. There's always been a Judas that sat next to Peter, James, and John. We tend to forget those battles existed. And what we have to do, friends, and hear me. Hear me. Some of you, some of you are in this church. You know what I'm talking about because you have remembered those things in your life. Now listen to me. And this is... If you catch anything this morning, this is what I want you to catch. So get your glove on. We have to turn those past memories into present realities. Well, how, how, how are we going to do that, Pastor? Let me give you a perfect example. Last Sunday morning, Tamara and Vince were here. They were sitting right here. Tamara stood up. She gave a testimony after Sister Summers had stood up. And she said, I just want to thank you. Because I remember ladies like you, full of God, full of the Spirit of God. I remember when I was younger in the church. I remember people like you, mothers of the church, prayer warriors, faithful. Didn't care what people thought. They'd stand up and give the Lord praise. The Holy Spirit could use them in the gifts. They would testify. They'd shout. They'd dance if their legs were made, were able to do that. Getting started again. Here she goes. How do you turn those past memories into present realities? I walked up to Tamara after church and I said, Listen, you've got to turn that into present reality.'" 
It's your time to be the mother of the church. It's your time to be the one who stands up, to be the one who shouts, to be the one who praises, to be the one who, who, who intercedes on behalf of the church. It's your moment. It's your time. And I speak to this generation, everybody in this room, young and old. It is your moment. It is your time. Stop looking at yesteryear because yesteryear will not return. All we have is today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of revival. Today it's God's people saying, you know what? I can't look over my shoulder i can't hope that that all comes back i have to be what god's called me to be right now open yourself to allow the holy spirit to use you open yourself today quit delegating that off to somebody else be the person that god can flow through seek god with all your heart don't let sister summers do it don't let brother so-and-so do it. Don't let, don't let the older uh, saints of God do all the heavy lifting. We need some people under the age of 30 that'll start stepping up and saying, Bless God, I'm taking my place. 40 years old, 50 years old, you ain't retired. Get yourself busy. We need revival, in case you haven't noticed. This nation needs revival. Worse now than it's ever been in my lifetime. I have seen that. I believe we need a move of God that will shake us from Washington, D.C. to the, to the, to the Capitol building of Denton County. We need revival. Young to old. Rich to poor. We need revival. We need a stirring and a shaking. And I'm just going to tell you right now. The shaking is coming. There is a shaking that is coming. It's not all going to be pleasant. There's a shaking that's going to shake our nation. Hear me, friends. You better put your big boy pants on, your big girl dress on, because there is a shaking that is coming to this United States of America. We have allowed American exceptionalism to invade our theology and we think we're immune to the shaking and the discipline of the hand of God. Let me tell you something. God is going to discipline the church of America and put us back where we need to be. And God is also going to deal and judge sin in our nation that we flaunt and we shamelessly approve of. God is going to shake this nation. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming. And you will either be the one who sifted or you will be the one that's used. Be ready. Another thing is the trials of life. And I'm going to wrap up in just a moment. He says in verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. <laughs> he's, not, he's not talking about the streams that the deer walks up to that's trickling through the mountains is he he's talking about the roar of the surf israel is a, a nation that's on the coast of the mediterranean sea the waterfalls the crashing of waves is what he's what what the real word there the hebrew word there the crashing of waves we were on vacation me and the kids me and the boys got out into the way into the surf and one day it was particularly heavy. The waves were coming in. It was, it was really awesome to see just the crashing of the waves. These waves would crest. They'd be 12, 15 feet high and just... And you could hear it just... One of the greatest things about laying on the beach is you can close your eyes and it's just... Just over and over. So we get this idea. We go out there and we're going to body surf. Can I just tell you, this body does not surf. This body sinks. So we get out there, and the boys, are, they got some boogie boards, and they're doing their little thing. Well, I get out there. I'm going to catch this one. So here it comes. Swim, Dad! Swim, Dad! Man, it's perfect timing, because if you don't miss it, what happens is what happened, what happens to you is what happened to me. You get, you get in that wave... And when I say you get in the wave, you're in the wave. And if you don't get out of the wave when you need to get out of the wave, 
Anybody that's that's been on the coast, you you've been at the ocean and you know a little bit about it. The wave turns into a giant washing machine. And anything inside it gets tumbled, tumbled, tumbled. Let me tell you, this body is not built for washing machines. And I got stuck in one. I rolled head over heels about five times underwater, drinking the ocean dry. Boom! Boom, boom, rolling me over and over and over. And the trials of life, friend, can do the exact same same thing. You can get into the washing machine of life. And it's one thing after another, head over heels, head over heels, just sucking in the water. You can't even breathe anymore. You're just like, my God, when is it going to stop? I got to come up for air. Boom, boom, another one. And life just begins to overwhelm you, overwhelm you. Understand this, that sometimes God wants to work things out in your life. Sometimes God wants to draw things out in your life. Sometimes God wants to walk you out of things in life. And sometimes God needs to put you in the washing machine to cast things out of your life. Wasn't the Lord who said that I will shake everything that can be shaken? He might shake everything in your life too. And you have to understand that as discipline. When trials comes, James says that the trials will come. But he says that's all right. Because the trying of our faith worketh perseverance. Makes me a little stronger. And a little smarter. I don't body surf anymore. I've retired just so y'all are waiting to know if you're going to see me on the pro tour. I quit. Let me wrap this up. Daniel, would you guys come? Look at verse 9. I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? He answers himself in verses 5 and 11. And this is what he says. Why am I downcast? What do I do when I've been diagnosed with a hurt, hurting soul, heavy soul, heavy heart? Put your hope in God. You know what you got to do if you walked into this room, bent over? You're going to have to put your hope back. Because when hope is all that's left, then hope is all you need. That's all you need. And usually that's how God runs us through the washing machine or the enemy threatens us. When hope is all we have left. You know what hope is? Hope means waiting with expectancy. How are things going there, Pastor? Oh, I'm just waiting. Heard you had a hard week. Yep, I'm just waiting. Brother, did you lose your job? Some things happened in your family? Got a bad report from the doctor? Yep, but I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. Just hoping. Just hoping because I know, I know that the Lord is still in the mix. The Lord is still involved in my life. I'm not going to give in to the depression of my soul. I'm not going to live, live under the downcast spirit. I'm not going to live in self-pity. And what you have to do is you have to start talking to yourself. That's how you put hope back. You've got to start talking to you. It's been a tough time for yourself. been difficult times for yourself. And you have to say, self... My God is the supplier of all my needs. Self, he who began a good work in me is going to complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. Self, he redeems my life from the pit. He heals all my diseases. 
He blesses me with love and kindness. Self, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't have to be afraid, self. I don't have to be worried, self. I don't have to care about what the world is trying to tell me that I'm going to be or what's going to happen. I don't have to listen to that newscast anymore. I don't have to look at that, at that website anymore, self. I've been freed because my hope is not in the cares of this world. My hope is in Jesus. You got to start preaching to yourself. I said, you got to start preaching to yourself. Everybody that got your Bible is still here. Hold your Bible up again. Hold your phone up. I want you to say this from this day on. I am my favorite preacher. Everybody's got a favorite preacher, blah, blah, blah. You should be your, your favorite preacher. Because you should preach to you every day. Every day in my coming in and my going out, I am blessed. I am blessed. You don't need me to give you a sermon. You just need to start preaching to yourself. Are you with me? That's right. Favor. Start preaching to you. Bless God. I'm going to walk over this mountain. Whether I have to go over it or through it or God melts it out of my way, I am going to win. No matter what the devil tells me, I'm going to win. I'm victorious in the power of Christ. I am a son and a daughter of God and I am going to make it. I claim my family. You got to start preaching to you. Preach it. You might even start preaching and saying amen at the same time. Oh, self, you got the victory. Amen. Just don't be doing that in a crowd of people because they will usher you to the coats with, or the people with the white coats. You might visit uh, a, a place right down the street. Just preach to yourself, though. Put your hope in God. That's where your hope is. Don't put your hope in, your, in a new job. Don't put your hope in a counseling session. Don't put your hope in some kind of uh, thing that the world provides. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And then he says, For I will ever praise you, my Savior and my God. It's time for you to do all you can do you've walked into this room like this to say I've got the strength to do this I'm going to praise him Ah. and as you lift your hands and as you begin to praise here's what's going to happen in your spirit you're going to suddenly begin to stand up straight you're going to get strength in areas of your life that you didn't know that you had and you've lost for so long you no longer bent over as you begin to praise that's what David discovered as I begin to put hope back and I begin to sing in the nights what he said I will praise God God is going to pick up your downcast soul your hurting discontent your discouragement is going to just begin to let loose and all of that restriction that you felt as you worship God you're going to begin to straighten up and praise him put your hope in God for I will ever praise you my savior and my God would you stand with me all over the room this morning praise the Lord praise the Lord thanks for listening to this message if you were blessed by this ministry we want to encourage you to share it and if you don't have a church home come join us any Sunday at 10 30